Well, today is special because we have a special guest speaker. Uh, he's a friend of Jubilees. Many of you know him. He's been here, or he was serving at Jubilee 19 years, right? 19 years. Uh, he was my high school youth pastor. Please welcome the man, my brother from another mother, <laughs> Pastor Dan. <laughs> Wow. Man, it's like I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Uh, you know, Pastor John talks about so often how, um, you know, one of, his, one of his hearts is, one of his callings is to um, raise people up, send them out, and like you would with your uh, teenager as they get into their 20s, you're hoping they'll leave. Um, I guess he was hoping I would leave. I'm not sure how that worked out. Um, but we did, my wife and I, a year and a half ago, as many of you know, but to make sure everybody's on the same page, uh, went out and uh, took over the Casserole campus and started Shine Church. It was a year and a half ago. In some ways, it seems like it was yesterday. Um, and in other ways, it seems like it was a long, long time ago. Um, and so what I wanted to do is I wanted to give you just a quick update on the family because I know many of you uh, would probably want to know how we were doing, um, how the kids are doing. And so I've got a picture of our family. Um, here's the latest at Christmas time. We're good looking. We're good, good looking clan right there, aren't we? Yeah. Um, so my daughter, who is 21 now, actually, um, she is in New Zealand. She is serving in her third year uh, at YWAM. Um, we're hoping in June she'll actually come home and stay for a little while. Uh, but she's just having an incredible time in New Zealand and is just bringing the, the word of God to the world, to be honest with you. So it's just amazing. Uh, my son is 23, and he uh, graduated in May from Montana State with an engineering degree. Um, came back home. Amen. Um, came back home and actually found a job at the tech center. Um, and so he actually works there uh, full time in the electrical engineering field. Um, actually, at the end of December, bought his own house um, and has roommates that are paying the mortgage for him. Smart guy. Smart guy right there. Um, and then, of course, uh, you'll see uh, the, the beauty in the picture, which is me. And I'm oh, just kidding. Um, my wife, Kim, who's over here, and so make sure you guys say hi to her, um, and we're just doing so, so good. I wanted to tell just a quick little story. We were up here um, in the Highlands Ranch area. We were over at the Shake Shack. This was a couple months ago, and uh, we were just having lunch together. Uh, we're getting ready to actually to go to the airport to pick up our daughter. She came home for Christmas, and we're sitting there, and um, she had her burger out and she had a pack of mayonnaise and she was trying to get it open and she was trying to tear it, tear it, rip and she just couldn't get it. So she gave up and threw it in the middle of the table. So I do what all good men will do. I'm going to fix the problem. I picked up the mayonnaise packet and I start looking and I, and I can't seem to get it. And she kind of looks at me like, please stop. And I'm like, no, 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 we, we're going to get this. And as soon as I said that, <laughs> all over her face, hair, clothes. Um, here's the great news though. She just rubbed it in and now she's looking better than ever. We have found the key. It's mayonnaise. It's mayonnaise. It's just absolutely amazing. But hey, we are so glad to be uh, here. And I, like I said, it's like we're kick coming home. And so um, I hope that if um, you do not know who I am, 
uh, I hope that you will at least open your heart to let God come in. I know it's hard sometimes to hear from somebody that you've never heard from, uh, but my prayer is that you would open your heart and let the Holy Spirit just come in. And so I want to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do that, to come in and just to touch our lives. And so would you join me in doing that? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. God, I thank you for this body. I thank you for this family. I thank you that um, I, I just feel so welcome here, and I feel like I truly have just come home. And so now, Lord, I pray that, um, that I would decrease and you would increase in me, and Lord, that your, your word would go forth now. And God, I pray that you would, uh, by your Holy Spirit, take over, and that you would take my words, and that you would use them to touch the heart's touch to the minds, the spirits of the people listening right now. And so, Lord, I pray that this wouldn't be um, just another message, but, Lord, this would be a life-giving word that would um, help people to live their life in a different way, help people to understand the goodness of who you are, help people to understand um, that you have... Uh, um, just so much more than they could ever hope for or imagine. And so, Lord, I pray that you would take over this service right now, have your way, and Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, I have been listening uh, to the messages from Jubilee Fellowship. Just so you know, I have not missed I, maybe two or three in the last year and a half. I always get on. I listen to the podcasts. I know you just finished uh, a Life Hack series, but when Pastor John asked me to come and speak and I was listening to the Life Hack series, I was like, oh, I am totally jumping in on that. Um, and he described a life hack as this, a shortcut, a skill, or a method that increases productivity in all walks of life. You guys remember that? Okay. I believe two huge hindrances to productive living, two huge hindrances to productive living are fear and insecurity. Fear and insecurity. My wife and I last June, so we had been doing the church for almost a year. We went away. We went up to a cabin north of Seattle. Just it was really secluded. We turned off all devices. We spent four days just reading and praying, and we went on a couple hikes and, and just totally unplugged and kind of just took a little sabbatical to just go to God and say, God, what do you have for us? And in the middle of that, we were out on a hike, and during that hike, I asked my wife, oh, we actually... <laughs> I, I, we turned off all devices, but I did turn it on because I had to find somewhere to hike. So I turned it on, looked it up. <laughs> Nobody has a paper map anymore, right? so I had to do that. So we actually find this little hike that said it was a moderate hike. Well, it was two miles away from the cabin. I can't remember. Kim, what was the name of the mountain? Do you remember? I, I can't even remember, but it was a mountain hike, and we get there, and it's literally winding up like this, straight up the mountain. And it was two miles straight up. And so we were... We get going, and I, I asked Kim, I said, hey, let's, as we're going up, because we're breathing so hard, we can't actually even talk right now. I said, as we're going up, let's think about what God has done in the last year, what the good things are, and then let's think about maybe something that um, we would like to change or, you know, some things that we're struggling with. And so we climbed the two and two miles, and it was just absolutely gorgeous. And we hang out on the top for a while, and then we start coming back down, and as we're coming down, we just share what we've enjoyed, and then we start sharing our struggle, and it was very interesting because as we both shared, we began to realize that both of us were struggling in the same arena, and that was insecurity. And I 
being at Jubilee Fellowship for 19 years, heard Pastor John say many times, um, man, sometimes when I go home after teaching a message, as a matter of fact, he referred to this just a couple weeks ago. He said he goes home and he goes, it's just, sometimes it's just not good. And I didn't fully understand that because I would say, man, that message was so incredible. Uh, by the way, he is teaching, he is on fire, man. He is on fire. Um, and, and so I'd just be like, well, you are, you are out of your, your mind. But after doing church for a while, I began to realize, oh, I get it. I get it. And so we began to talk about the insecurities that we were dealing with and, and just thoughts that would come in. Here's what an insecurity is. It's an uncertainty or anxiety about oneself or a lack of confidence. Real quick, how many of you in this room I'm gonna ask for some audience participation right now. How many of you in this room would say and admit that you have been insecure in your life at some point? How many of you are afraid you're raising your hand? <laughs> now listen, if you don't respond while I'm teaching, that may raise insecurity in me, I'm not sure, but I, it's funny because insecurity will come in, and church, listen, insecurity will get into your heart and it'll begin to create this, question about what you've been called to do, about what God has for you, and you'll actually start to doubt and wonder if you actually even heard from the Lord. And we have an enemy. I know that we all agree with that. We have an enemy that would love to get you to be not confident in him. See, what insecurity does is insecurity comes and it steals your identity. It steals your identity. And the enemy would love to be able to come and take away who you are in him. Yes. You know, God's heart, the reason he sent Jesus is so that you would know that you are loved, that you are cared for, that God so loved you that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross so that you could have eternal, everlasting life. That's how much God loves you. Yes. And he's got purposes and plans, so many that we can't even count. And so God wants us to understand that an enemy wants to come and attack us. Now, here's what's interesting. The enemy doesn't attack you because he hates you. The enemy actually attacks because he hates God. And if he can destroy and sever his relationship with you, then he feels like he's one. And the way he does that is through fear and insecurity. Now, insecurity is tricky to diagnose. In some Insecurity looks like meekness, compliance, and always assuming blame. But in other people, it looks like bravado, defiance, and never admitting wrong. In one person, insecurity moves them to avoid attention, if at all possible. And in another, it moves them to demand as much attention as possible. Here's what I'm going to submit to you. This message that I'm teaching right now is for you. Now, on the count of three, I want you to say, this is for me. One, two, three. This is for me. Stop thinking about your spouse, your sibling, your parent, your child. This message is for you because here's, here's the truth. Only you and God can really understand the insecurity that you're dealing with and how it plays out. And when you start to look at somebody else and, and begin to try to judge their insecurities, you are probably gonna be incorrect because it's tricky to diagnose. 
And so I believe with all of my heart that God is asking us to look at ourselves and to really just go before him and say, hey, let me, let me understand where I'm struggling in this and don't project that on anybody else. Okay, so once we understand that fear and insecurity in our lives are trying to steal productivity away from us, once we understand that, what do we do? What do we do? Remember, this is for you. The first thing I put in my notes, and it's your fill in the blank there, is you confess. You confess. James 5.16 says this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It goes on and says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Um, but I wanna hinder on the first part or, or hang out on the, the first part. Um, and that is this. We are asked by God to confess our sins. Now, we need to make sure that we understand what sin is. Sin is missing the mark. Sin is actually an archery term that comes from when you take your bow and arrow and you're aiming at a target and you try to shoot at the bullseye of that target. If you don't hit dead center bullseye, anywhere outside of that is a sin. And I think a lot of times when we read this scripture, we think, therefore, confess your sins. We're thinking of the big, heinous sins that people might have, yes? Could it be that insecurity and fear is a sin? Would you guys agree with that? It's a missing of the mark because our Heavenly Father doesn't want us to be bound by insecurity and fear. As a matter of fact, everything the Word of God says is that we are free from that, yes? That he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us abundant life, right? He comes in, he wants us to have the fullness of what he has for us, yes? And so when we have insecurity and we allow that to come into our life and begin to change what we're doing or how we're doing things, when we allow that to come in, what begins to happen, church, is we begin to miss the mark. Confess where you miss the mark to one another so that we can pray for one another and so that we may be healed. Now, when we think about healing, we think about, oh man, you know, healing from cancer or I have a bum knee or I, and we love the big healing things. But how many of you would love to just have the healing from insecurity? Man, I, I would love that. And I feel like I'm getting victory and getting closer and closer to that place um, because of this message that God has put into my heart. It says, confess your sins one to another so that you can pray for one another so that you may be healed. First John 1 says this, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, now get this, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. And it goes on, it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all missing the marks. Oh, this is good right here. Get this. 
If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us all our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Okay, clearly, again, in that section of scripture, it says that we're supposed to have fellowship with one another and in that relationship, we are supposed to confess these areas where we miss the mark. Confess your fears, confess your insecurities. Just think about it for just a second. How are you doing in this? Because I know, at least for me, I don't want anybody to think I'm weak. I don't want anybody to think that I'm missing the mark anywhere. And so if I confess something to somebody, they'll know that I'm not perfect. Let me just blow that out of the water. Raise your hand if you're perfect in here. Okay, good. Nobody. None of us are perfect. And so please understand that because there is a, a great truth in the word of God when it comes to engaging with him and engaging with one another. And the word is confession. Now, I grew up Catholic and confession was a big part of the church. And you would go in and once a week you were encouraged to go and confess. And I, and I wonder if because of um, just religiosity and we don't necessarily like that, we throw everything out. I would submit to you that confession is very important in our walk. And confession is very important in getting victory. The second thing that we do once we recognize insecurity and fear is we carry. So we confess and we carry. And here's where I get this from. Uh, Galatians 6.2 says this, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, if you look up the word burdens, it literally means, if you look it up in the Greek, it literally means a weight. Have you ever lived your life and felt like you were heavy? <laughs> Have you ever been trying to hide a lie from somebody, and it's just weighed you down, and when, once the truth came out, you were like, oh, that's gone finally. Church, I'm here to say that if we'll confess, and if we'll be people that have a heart to actually carry and have an open heart to receive the confession, then we'll be able to help one another throw those burdens off. We'll be able to take them and go, no, I'm not carrying this anymore because I can confess to you and you're willing to carry that burden. Or if you see somebody, and you guys know what this looks like. You see somebody and they're just heavy. You can tell that just something is going on. If you actually genuinely went up to them and said, hey, how are you doing? Is there anything I can help you with? And creating a relationship where they might be open to share and confess, you know what, I'm really struggling with this fear. Well, let's talk about it. Not, oh, I'll pray about it and see you later. <laughs> Guilty. I do that but to actually genuinely be a person that will carry somebody's burden. See, God is so good to put in his word. I love, the, I love the life hack thing. He put shortcuts, he put ways so that we could have that abundant life. But here's the thing you can't get away, get away from. He did it through one another. He created it in relationship. 
Okay, so how do we confess and carry one another's burdens? This is where this is gonna get really fun. I would submit to you that the way you confess to one another and actually even open your heart to receive and carry other people's and help them to get that burden off them, um, you have to become vulnerable. Vulnerable. Okay, real quick, I want you to help me out. When I say the word vulnerable, just in one or two words, shout out to me what comes to mind. Open. Open. Somebody over here? I didn't hear it. Judged. You'll be judged. Absolutely. Somebody else? Exposed. Exposed. Being real. real. What? Wounded. Wounded. Mm. What was that? Target. Target. Man, all of these are great. How about fear? Fear? Yeah. Guilty. Okay. Guilty. Betrayed. I'm convinced that we don't really understand what vulnerability is. Um, (laughs) You guys have an incredible pastor. And one of the things that makes him so powerful in the pulpit is that he will stand up in front of you and he will be vulnerable. He taught me many years ago that if you want to impress somebody, tell them your successes. But if you want to impact somebody, tell them your failure. When you get up in front of a group of people and you share your failures, that's vulnerability. Let me... Let me tell you, let me tell you what vulnerability is according to the the dictionary. Here's what it says. It's the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. Now, just so you know, I didn't like that definition, so I went to a different dictionary. (laughs) And this is what it says. Capable... Capable of or susceptible to being wounded or hurt, open to moral attack and criticism. Sign me up. Sign me up. When I read that, how many of you want to be in that position? I know I don't. I I looked up the antonyms, the opposite of that, right? It means covered, guarded, protected, safeguarded, screened, secured, sheltered, and shielded. That's what I want. But church, I'm here to tell you that the kingdom of God is a paradoxical kingdom. If you want to be first, you must be. If you want to be greatest, you must. If you All these things, we have to serve. We have to, all these things that are just what we wouldn't do in our own natural selves, the word of God speaks complete opposite of that. If someone strikes you in the cheek, you punch them back as hard as you can, right? Yes? (laughs) Richard, no. The answer was no. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. When you read through the word of God, many of the things that we are instructed to do don't make much sense. It's paradox. 
It's a difference. And here I would submit to you that yes, it always feels good to be covered, guarded, protected, safeguarded, screened, secured, sheltered, and shielded. But when you live a life that way amongst other people, it becomes a very lonely, lonely life. And where real relationship comes in is when you say, you know what? I'm gonna interact with you and I'm gonna open myself up and I'm gonna tell you things that you could just kill me with. But I have a relationship with you and so I'm gonna share these things with you. And here's what I found out just in living through my life is that the people I admire, the people that I look up to, the people that I respect, one of the reasons I really value who they are in my life is because they've shared a secret or they've shared some kind of struggle with me. And I didn't think less of them. I actually went, wow, I can't believe you're trusting me with this. I can't believe that you would share this with me. I know for a reason one of the facts you guys keep coming back each and every weekend is because Pastor John does that and you walk out of here, I can't believe he shared that, but yet it's made a huge impact in my life. It's drawing me closer to God. It's helping me to understand my relationship with him. Living in vulnerability is taking fears, it's taking insecurities, and it's exposing them to the light. Remember that scripture? It says, he is light. It's taking what's hidden and it's bringing it out into the light. And what I have found is when you take what's hidden and you bring it out into the light, God can do something with it. But when you keep it in the darkness, he can't do anything with it at all. You've got to bring these things out into the light. And here's my prayer and here's my hope that even now as I'm talking, you're thinking about things. Ooh, I have kept that in the dark. Ooh, I've kept that in the dark. Pay attention to those thoughts because God wants you to be free from them. He doesn't want you to be bound by them. Brene Brown, um, I don't know if everybody's familiar with who she is. She's a research professor at the University of Houston. And in 2010, she actually did a TED Talk. This is what really kind of catapulted her into the leadership scene. And, and people really you know, began to take what, what she was writing, what she was saying. But in that TED Talk, she actually, um, she said a couple quotes that I want to share with you. Um, the first one, uh, she said this, the people who have a strong sense of love and belonging believe they are worthy of love and belonging. And I thought, man, that's so empowerful, or empowering, to actually have a place where you go, I believe that I belong. And the difference between these two people was just simply that statement. I believe I belong, or I don't. Some of you are sitting here right now, and you're thinking, well, I don't know if I belong at this church. I don't know if I belong to God. I don't know if I belong at fill in the blank. And I'm here to tell you, man, go to God because he's gonna tell you that you do belong. You do belong to a body of believers. There's great strength in that. You do belong to God. He created you. 
You do belong. You do. But she goes on and says this. One of the common attributes of the people who said, I belong, I believe I belong. One of the common attributes of these people was that they fully embraced vulnerability. So the difference between feeling like I belong and I don't belong was opening their lives to other people. People who opened their lives to other people felt like they belonged. People who kept themselves guarded and safe didn't feel like they belonged. Whew. Now this bothered her so much she had to go to counseling. I, listen to the TED Talk. You can look it up. It's, a, it's an incredible TED Talk. But she goes on in the middle of that talk to say this was a huge struggle in her because she was this professor that needed to feel like everything, make, it, make that impression that everything was okay, that all was good. And so when that came out that she, oh wait, I have to tell people where I struggle? She goes, I, I, I couldn't handle it. I had to go to a counselor. I had to go get therapy is what she said. To truly wrap her brain around it. There's something, church, to being vulnerable with one another. There's something that God has for each one of us if we'll just open up to one another if we'll confess to one another, if we'll come alongside other people and help them to open up and carry what they have. If we do these things, there's something to the abundant life that he has for us found in this little key. C.S. Lewis said in his book called The Four Loves, which was written in 1960, he said this, to love at all is to be vulnerable. I'm gonna say that again. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you wanna make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Anybody? Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. Ow! But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. Your heart will change. Oh yeah, your heart will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. C.S. Lewis. Man, it goes against everything that Logic would say in, I gotta protect myself, I gotta keep myself guarded. It goes against that because when you find yourself in that position, according to C.S. Lewis, what happens is you don't get a protected heart, you get a hard heart. And when you get a hard heart, guess what? You're gonna have a really hard time hearing from God. God wants to speak to each and every one of us and we receive his voice when our hearts are soft. Remember the parable of the soil? The hard heart, man, the seed would come and, and get stolen right away, but it was the soft heart. And I would submit to you this, as counterintuitive as it would seem, when you open yourself up to others and you risk being hurt, it opens your heart and it makes it soft. And you might get hurt in the process, but man, 
is so much better than having a hard heart where no one can get in there. Okay, I need to stop real quick and I need to make sure that I clear up something here because I think there's a difference between transparency and vulnerability because some of you are hearing me speak right now and you're thinking transparency. Transparency is being able to see right through something. You can see right through it. You can see what's on the other side. You can see, uh, in this case, you can see everything, the flaws and all those things. And a lot of people will say, well, I am totally open and I am totally transparent to people around me. I felt like God showed me this. The difference between transparency and vulnerability is this. Transparency is speaking about your life openly. Vulnerability is confessing your sins to one another and asking them to help carry this in your life to sharpen those areas that are not in line with God. Transparency says, oh, here's all my blemishes and here are my flaws, but don't talk to me about them. Vulnerability is, here's all my stuff that I'm dealing with. Here's my insecurities. Here's my fears. Help me. What does the word of God say about these things? See, I believe the enemy would love to get us to a place where we think we're being vulnerable because we're just sharing what we're struggling, but we're not receptive to hearing any correction or any sharpening at all in our life. There's a huge difference between the two. And I would much rather actually have you have a hard heart than a transparent one. Because the enemy uses that to deceive you. I can't tell you how many times people have come in and they were transparent to me, but the second I opened up the word of God to tell them what God said, they're like, no, I don't want to hear that. Or I don't believe that. The enemy would love to deceive you with transparency. What I'm submitting is that God wants to free you through vulnerability. Oh, this is good. Okay. I can't go into all of this, but I, just so you know, this is in the Bible. Paul, <laughs> Paul talks about this. He models it in 2 Corinthians 6, through 6 verse 11. He actually says this. Uh, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. This is something that you'll read through the... Um, the, the New Testament, and you will see Paul just sharing. I, Paul going, man, I've got a thorn. I've asked God to take that thorn from my side. And, and, and he just said, no, my grace is sufficient. Oh, and he shared that with all of us. He shared the struggles. He shared the things that they were facing. Man, he was vulnerable. And in that particular scripture, he says, man, we opened wide our hearts because he understood that Showing other people what a relationship with God is and what a relationship with one another and showing the hurts and the pains and the successes and the joys, you know what? That's all what makes the abundant life with God happen is opening our hearts to that. And again, I don't have enough time to go into all those, but man, it, it is something that I believe scripture teaches us over and over and over. I wanna, sec, I wanna hang out on a, a different scripture though. Um, and I, I wrote in my notes, a possible description of what happens when we embrace vulnerability. Here's a possible description of what happens when we embrace this idea of being vulnerable. Second Corinthians 
Chapter three, it says, but whenever, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. First thing, back in the Old Testament, in order to hear from God, the high priest has to get it, go into the Holy of Holies. They had to go through a veil, they'd go into the Holy of Holies to hear from God. And in order to hear from God, you had to wait till the high priest came out, told the priest, who told the leaders, the leaders would tell the family leaders, and that's how you would hear from God. Yeah. Because of what Jesus did, the veil was ripped in two, and now we have direct access to the Father. Yeah. So when you see this, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Okay, what, what it's saying is, you now have access to the Father. You can now understand and you can actually have him through his Holy Spirit begin to reveal to you what those fears are and what those insecurities are. I would encourage you, go to God. You know, I think a lot of times we think of this as a salvation, but whenever anyone turns. How about this? Whenever anyone turns in whatever area, that area, you are enabling the veil to be ripped apart. Now, the Lord is a spirit, and when the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So the heart of God is that we would have freedom from these things, okay? Goes on, and we, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. The goal is that we would be transformed into becoming more Christ-like. How do we become more Christ-like? We confess these insecurities. We confess these fears to people that we trust. We carry those and we, oh man, let me pray for you. Let's, let me show you what I think the word of God says about that. We gently restore people. We come in along. And as we do that, we are continually becoming more and more like Christ. You guys see this? Okay, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry. What is the ministry? The ministry is this good news. If you read chapter three before that, it's talking about just sharing the good news. We have this ministry, this ministry of sharing this good news to one another. We have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. Okay, my fears, my insecurities, they want to live in the secret and shameful areas of my life, yes? The enemy wants to keep them there. But according to this, they renounced those things. I believe they told one another. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly. Okay, so what are some of the truths? None of us are perfect. We all have insecurities. We all have fears. And so let's reveal those truths to one another. This is where I'm missing the mark. This is where I'm missing the mark. Could I be missing the mark here? What do you think about this? Am I missing the mark here? When we get these things out and let the truth begin to come out plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Now, I find it very interesting that it says that we don't do this just between God and us. He says we do it with everyone's conscience. Again, there's a relationship with this topic to one another. We need one another to be able to do this. For God who said, let sh light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure. Okay, what treasure? What treasure? The treasure of that light. We have this treasure, the, the good news, the fact that we have this truth, the truth of the word of God. We have the truth 
uh, to help one another. We have this treasure. It says this, in jars of clay. Okay. Any of you at any point in your life feel like you're just a fragile jar of clay? (laughs) And here's what's interesting. I was telling this to my son and my son said, you know what, dad? He goes, this is what the Lord is speaking to me about this. We like to take our jars and make them all fancy. And we like to put sweet little borders. We wouldn't need to, we want people to think they're all protected and nice and, and pretty looking. And he goes, but the reality is in order for this to truly happen, we need to let God break that jar. We're trying to make our jars look so fancy and yet what God is saying is, no, let that thing break apart because if you let it break apart and you'll expose this stuff to the light, that's when I can come in and truly change you. That's when I can come in and I can deliver you and I can set you free from these things. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. I put in my notes, I believe if living in vulnerability is practiced regularly, then maybe we could be hard pressed perplexed, persecuted, and struck down and still be okay because we have people in our lives helping us carry our burdens. Could it be that you're, when you're pressed, if you don't have relationship with other people, that's when you become crushed? And I don't know what it is about human nature that when we're pressed, we pull away from people instead of pushing into people. Have you noticed that? How about this perplexed, but it says this not in despair. But again, if you don't have somebody to be perplexed with, then it leads to despair because you don't have anybody to share this with. Persecuted, but not abandoned. If we don't have people, persecution comes and we feel all by ourselves. Like we're doing, like, uh, was it Elisha that was like, I'm the only prophet of God that there's left. God was like, no, there's like 5,000 other people. And yet, man, that's what keeping these things in, the insecurities and fears keeping it in. Um. In Castle Rock, there's a group of pastors that get together and we talk and pray every week. This past week, um, we had 20 pastors at the meeting and we just talk for a few minutes and then from 9 to 9.30, we just pray and we just pray for the city and the, the county and the state and we just pray for God to come in and touch people's hearts and lives. And one of the pastors in that group recently told me, he goes, I don't know how anybody makes it through this life without God and without one another. I don't know how anybody does that. And so I'm gonna conclude with just giving you some really practical things. If, if the Holy Spirit has resonated anything in your heart and in your mind that, okay, this totally makes sense, 
maybe I need to start looking for people and relationships where I can share my insecurities, where I can share my fears with. Um, here's some practical things that you can do. Start by being vulnerable to God. Ask God to open your heart. Ask God to make your heart soft. Ask God to begin to reveal to you the insecurities or the fears that the enemy is using to hinder what God has for you. You know what? God is very faithful to answer your question. If you ask that question, pay very close attention to what you think. You've, if, you, if you know me, you've heard me say this. God doesn't come, Dad. Let me get to my connector. Dad. He actually sounds an awful lot like me. I'll ask him a question, and it's amazing. Some of the kind, sometimes strange thoughts come into my head. And when I step out and do those things, oh my gosh, that was God. It's just amazing. So start by being vulnerable with God. Then find a safe environment. Find a safe environment. You know what? This church is filled with a bunch of people that love Jesus. Love Jesus. And because of that, this is a pretty safe environment. But I get it. Not everybody loves everybody in this room. Totally understand that. We all have different personalities. But I promise you, there are people in this room that you can connect with. Don't be a person that just comes to church and you get here five minutes late and you leave like five minutes early. Because what that does is that puts you out into the world and the people that you are putting yourself around, you're like, okay, I believe that this is supposed to be happening. And let's say you're struggling in your marriage and you're like, okay, so I'm gonna start sharing this with other people. So you go to other people who are divorced. Hello. They're not gonna help you. They're actually gonna take you the wrong way. Be careful of who you're sharing with. Understand there needs to be some intentionality about who you're speaking to. Invest your life with people who will sharpen you with the word of God. Find some people that will sharpen you with the word of God and then be open for correction. Ask them to come in. You know the funny thing about deception is you don't know you're deceived. You don't know you're deceived. And so open yourself to other people that could actually speak something to you. How about this? Don't allow your issue to be above the word of God. Do not allow your issue to be above the word of God. In other words, when you start confessing these things and somebody says, well, you know what? I think the word of God says this. Don't dismiss it and go, well, I think you're wrong. And we live in a world right now where in churches, they are putting issues above God. They're putting issues and not regarding what the word of God says about these things. And man, man, it's just a crazy place right now, isn't it? And then finally, the last one. Be a person that people can be vulnerable with. Extend the grace that you would want to receive. If I'm being vulnerable with you, Man, I can't tell you how much I hope you give me grace. But then it's interesting when somebody's vulnerable with me, I'll take the word of God and start being, bang them over the head with it. Man, the word says that we're supposed to restore one another gently. Gently. Be a person, be an approachable person. Be a person that's willing to listen to somebody's struggle. 
And then don't just offer them the solution, but ask them, hey, you know what? I read a scripture recently. Would you be willing to hear it? Or I think the word of God might say something differently about that. Are you open to hear that? And that tears the defenses down and that person go, yeah, I'd love to hear that. Be that person that somebody can actually go to and approach. And so let's close. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the word of God. I thank you for the fact that you have given us insight and understanding of truly how to be productive in the area of of freedom. But God, it comes from a place where we need to be open and real with one another. God, I just don't see it anywhere in your word where you say that we're supposed to hide our issues in the dark and fight and go at it alone. But I see all over through the Bible where you say, come along one another, support one another, share with one another, be weak with one another, be vulnerable with one another. And God, I have just experienced in my life, just through the last year and a half, the scary aspect of, ter- of telling people where I'm struggling and having them come and rally around me and pray for me instead of beating me up. And God, it's been so liberating and it's been so freeing. I pray that every person would receive this. God, I pray that you would put in every person right now that desire to receive that life that comes from the freedom of having that weight lifted off of our shoulders. And so, Lord, speak to us right now, I pray. I pray that you would speak directly to each individual and that you would begin to show them the area or areas that they need to get out in the light. And God, put people around them that will receive it and help them and gently correct and restore. And God, may we be a body, may we be a family that grows in the abundant life together that you have given to us. Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, guys.